Well, good morning, everybody. So good to see you all, especially on this holiday weekend. Uh, it reminds me of that important Bible verse, blessed are those who come to worship on holiday weekend. So you've got that going for you. It's a very obscure verse, but if you dig, you'll find it. But such a wonderful time to be together, wonderful music that we've already heard, such a pleasure to worship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, there is something Jesus said that is very familiar to both Christians and non-Christians. And I would even say in our present world, our present culture, this might be one of the most quoted phrases that Jesus ever had to say. And you heard it in our gospel reading today. Now, these are words that people love to throw back and forth at each other. And I think a lot of times non-Christians embrace these words to try to describe what problems they have with Christians and Christianity. It becomes for unchurched people maybe one of their biggest and main issues with Christians. And so it is the words, do not judge. Now these words come from Matthew chapter 7. And it's the tail end of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And if you remember back, this is the greatest sermon that's ever been preached in history. And Jesus is focusing on just all kinds of different things that really boil down to two important issues. It's our relationship with God and our relationship with each other. And so Jesus has all this wonderful teaching. And then at the beginning of Matthew chapter 7, he says, do not judge and a lot of people stop right there i think we've all heard these words and we probably all used these words before someone makes a comment and it gets under our skin and our response is don't judge me and non-Christians, when they seem to feel like maybe Christians are looking down on them or maybe evaluating their behavior, they say, well, I know your Jesus said, don't judge me. And so why are you going down this road? Now, I like how Andy Stanley, who's a pastor down south, how he sums this up, how he sums up this command of Jesus. He says, one way we might say this is, thou shalt not size me up, and write me off. You ever felt that before? Thou shalt not size me up and write me off. It's a two-step process. Someone observes something we do, something we say, some place we've been, someone we're hanging out with. They size us up and then decide to write us off. And it doesn't feel good, right, to have someone look at us on the surface and jump to a conclusion or listen to one thing we say and then figure they know everything about us. Or maybe they find out something from our past, something we're not proud of. Maybe they find out someone we dated or someone we're friends with. Maybe even a candidate we voted for. And they size us up and they write us off. And you know, when it's in those moments, we want to respond. What right do you have to judge me? You have no right to tell me how to live. Who do you think you are? I mean, you're just as big of a sinner as I am. So what gives you the right? 
Now, as a kid, I remember being constantly judged for being a PK. If you don't know, PK stands for pastor's kid. And we lived in a small town until I was 12 years old, and everybody knew my dad was a pastor in town. And so they would make these judgments about me. They'd be like, you don't probably ever get to have any fun, and probably all you ever do is pray, and all you ever do is go to church. And it got under my skin. I didn't like how it felt to be judged, especially by my peers. And so oftentimes what it did is push me in the wrong direction. It would come out in bad behavior to try to show them that they don't know who I really am. I don't think anyone here likes to be judged. And most of the time, we don't like to hear about other people being judged either. But then there are times when we think, well, we need to judge. You know, there are some kinds of, some kinds of behavior that are just unacceptable. There are things that happen in this world that are just pure evil. And so what about those times? I mean, aren't there times that we should judge? Well, fortunately, Jesus, in just a short passage of Scripture, really gets at all the important facets of how we should and shouldn't judge. So today we're wrapping up a sermon series that we've been in for a number of weeks called Twisted. And in this series, we're we're learning about the importance of digging deep into Scripture. Because all too often we find short little Scripture passages or short little verses and we take them out of context or we misinterpret them or we misuse them or even there are times that we misquote them. Sometimes we listen to what someone else has to say about them or other times we just jump to our own conclusions. And we've talked about how we need to be much more careful with the Bible, that we have some good tools that we can use to help us approach Scripture in a more responsible and helpful way. So each week we've been pointing you to three important things to do every time you dive into the Bible. First of all, we need to take into account the context. All right, what is going on in the whole story of Scripture? What is going on in history? Who are the people involved? What does the rest of the chapter have to say? Maybe what does the rest of the book have to say that can help us understand the context of whatever the passage is? And that's why I started by looking at the whole Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 7 and before to help us get at the context for our verse today. Well, then secondly, we need to check out what the rest of Scripture has to say about any theme or topic. You know, you can take any little bit of Scripture and start to really come to almost any conclusion. But then you need to check it out. What does God have to say about these things throughout the rest of the Bible? We always say Scripture interprets Scripture. So go and see what the rest of God's word has to say. Sometimes there's a command or there's something that's said in the Bible that's for one time and one place. But then there are other times where there are things that are said that are for all times and for all places. And so we need to make sure to check that out. And then third and finally, we need to look at the application. And that is what is God calling us to do with this? What are we supposed to do personally? What's our response to what we've read? If we only do the first two, we've done a really nice book study. But it's when we really pray about and we look at how God wants us to respond 
that we really engage with his word in the right way. And so today, I want to look with you at what Jesus actually had to say about judging. And I think there's way more depth and there's way more that he wants to teach us than meets the eye. And it's such an important topic, I think, because if we get this wrong, if we mess this up, it can damage our witness to the world like almost nothing else. Because when many people think of Christians, the very first word that pops into their head, and this has been observed in lots of different polling that's been done in our country and in our world, the first word that pops into people's head when they hear Christian is judgmental. It can be so easy for us as Christians to get self-righteous, to get judgy, to end up writing people off after we size them up. You know, religious people can be some of the worst at this. We can tend to look down our noses at those people who just don't get it. So why do you think we are so easily and so often judgmental of others? Well, I'd like to suggest there are two big reasons that this often happens. First of all, I think it comes from jealousy. We see other people having fun, and we're jealous of their fun, right? We understand as Christians there are certain behaviors, certain things we should and shouldn't do. We need to flee from sin. There are things that God wants to protect us from. Yet we look out and we see sinners, and they seem to be having a lot of fun sinning. And it can make us jealous. Like, if I don't get to do it, why should they get to do it? I heard a pastor say one time, if sin isn't fun, you're doing it wrong. Right? It's only natural that we might see people having fun. And so we think, all right, I'm going to put God's commands and his teachings into place. I'm going to be obedient. And then I look on social media and I see my friends doing all the things I'm trying not to do. And they have huge smiles on their faces. They're laughing. They're enjoying it. Now, have you ever met a Christian before that seems a little too happy that there's a hell? Have you ever met someone like that? You know, they have a little too much joy in the concept of eternal torment. Because they're like, all right, you laugh it up right now, you have your fun, but someday you're going to get yours. I think it's kind of a dangerous attitude, and it stems from jealousy. Now, secondly, I think we can often be, ju be judgmental because of our self-righteousness. We can be arrogant, we can be selective, we can tend to not be very self-aware. Because what self-righteous people do is they compare themselves to other people, but they keep God at a distance. All right, compared to others, I'm doing really well, but if I have to take into account what God expects, well, then suddenly I'm going to feel convicted. So I'm going to keep God at an arm's length, and I'm going to focus on how I am so much holier and more righteous than those people. You see, what you tend to do is you ignore God's holiness, and you elevate your own. And you can start to talk about those people. I can't believe they do that or they believe that. Self-righteous people tend to 
not acknowledge their own shortcomings and their own flaws. They're just willing to overlook those and focus on everyone else. But here's the thing, church. Judge not is not the only thing Jesus said. It was just the beginning of a much deeper discussion. You see, Jesus' complete statement that we heard in the gospel lesson is, do not judge or you too will be judged. Basically, watch out who you criticize, watch out who you condemn, watch out who you compare yourself to because it's going to come right back at you in the future. And he goes on to clarify this a little bit more. He says, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. The same judgment, the same standards, the same rules you use for others will be used for you. So judge others like you would like to be judged. Kind of the golden rule of judgment, right? So if we're going to be judged in the same way we judge others, how would you want that to look? How would you want someone else to judge you? Well, I would say I would like them to be merciful. I want them to be graceful. I want them to be loving. Would you agree? I mean, that's how I want people to treat me. You know, I want other people, before they judge me, I want them to take my whole story into account. To get to know me, to build a relationship. I want them to know all of my experiences. I want them to understand what's going on in my life, what the stresses are, what other things I'm dealing with are that can help explain what's going on. Basically, I think all of us want other people to give us the benefit of the doubt. We want other people to assume the best about us. But why do we so often not treat others the way we want to be treated? Why is it so hard for us to extend that kind of grace to others? I think far too often, instead of assuming the best, we assume the worst. Right? When you find out something or something that's been done or something that's been said, we instantly start to fill in the narrative with the worst case scenario. You know, they must be out to get me or they're trying to make me mad or they did this intentionally. But instead, I think we're called to assume the best about people, to explain their actions in the very best way. It's what Martin Luther said about the Eighth Commandment. Imagine what it would look like if we would actually assume the best, if we would explain people's actions in the best way instead of vice versa. So Jesus goes on, he gives us a picture of how this looks. And it's one of the great short stories that Jesus tells, and I think it's such a vivid picture of what's going on here. And so he says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? And I think when we read that, we think Jesus, you know, is such a serious guy and he's just kind of got a straight face. But think of how funny that statement is. I think Jesus had a huge grin on his face and everybody's laughing at, yeah, this is a ridiculous image. Like we're focusing on this speck of sawdust, yet we have a two by four in our own eye. Yet Jesus goes on with more to teach. He says, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye 
when all the time there is a plank in your own eye. And here's the big thing he says, so convicting. He says, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Pastor Craig Groeschel has taken this passage and gives four important teachings that Jesus wants to leave us with as we read through these verses. It's four important lessons that Jesus wants to teach us about judging others. And these are things that are also taught throughout the rest of the Bible. Remember, Scripture interprets Scripture. And so first, Jesus is teaching us don't judge superficially. Right? He says at the first, someone looks at another person and they see some sawdust. They see a speck. It's all on the surface. And you know what? It's that tendency we all have to look at someone, to size them up, and then jump to conclusions. We have this tendency to try to group people into very broad categories and stereotypes and biases. For instance, we see someone with a bunch of tattoos and a bunch of piercings and a bunch of torn clothes, and we jump to conclusions. They must be lazy, they must be antisocial, they must be poor. Or we see someone with a certain skin color or a certain nationality or a certain religious background, we group them together and we make a bunch of conclusions about them. And you see, when we can label people, when we can group them together, well, it makes them that much easier to dismiss or to ignore. You know, who do they think they are? But I think we all do this, even though we don't want to admit it. We tend to group people, we tend to label them so that we can dismiss them or ignore them. I heard someone call this one time essentializing people. If we can boil someone down to one label or one phrase, we can say, you know, essentially they're just a liberal, or essentially they're just a conservative, or essentially they're this, or essentially they're that. We put them in a box, and then it's easy to set them aside and just dismiss them or ignore them. But here's the thing, this happens in the church too, all too often. You know, those people like the wrong music, or those people wear the wrong clothes, or those people, they don't know all the traditions, or those people don't do things like I do, and we fill in the blanks, and we make assumptions, and we jump to conclusions You know, sometimes we do this when we see another Christian brother or sister go to a place that we don't approve of or they hang out with someone who, you know, we don't think they should hang out with. And we we make some judgment like real Christians wouldn't go there or real Christians wouldn't hang out with those people. But you know what? Jesus talks directly about this in John chapter 7, verse 24. He says, stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. Notice what he's saying. He's like, don't size people up and write them off. Don't just look at the surface and think you've got them all figured out. But notice he's also saying there, 
there is a time to judge. And we're going to get to that in a little bit. But right here, I think Jesus is talking about the kind of church that I hope we are. A church that is not going to judge people from a distance. A church that doesn't just jump to conclusions and label people. Those Catholics, those Baptists, those Methodists, or the list goes on. But instead, we can be a church that believes the best about people, that describes people's actions in the very best way. When something maybe rubs us wrong, something isn't our preference, we don't instantly fill in the blanks and assume they're out to get us. Instead, we fill in the blanks positively, constructively. We assume the best. We explain people's actions in the very best way. We focus instead on getting to know people, building relationships first, investing and inviting, and not be content to judge superficially. Secondly, don't judge hypocritically. Jesus says to those who focus on other people's sawdust, you hypocrite. And this is something that Paul also teaches when he writes to the church in Rome, in the book of Romans. He says, if you go around pointing out other people's sins, be very, very careful. Because oftentimes you have the exact same sin hidden in your own life. Here's what Paul says. You, therefore, have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge another... You are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. Be very, very careful because you might be condemning yourself. But then Paul contrasts that just a few verses later in verse 4. He contrasts it with God's heart and God's character. He says, don't you see how wonderfully kind and tolerant and patient God is with you. Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Isn't that good? Isn't that comforting? Isn't that how every one of us wants to be treated? God is wonderfully kind and tolerant and patient with us. So why don't we extend that to others? Paul says, ultimately, it's God's kindness. It's not his condemnation. It's not his anger. It's not his frustration. It's his kindness that will lead us to repentance. And that's a good word for all of us as we relate to others. You know, when it comes to others, oftentimes we're the exact opposite. We're impatient, we're ungraceful, and we're unkind. And the truth is, as being observed again and again, oftentimes the sins we gravitate towards in others are the same sins that we struggle with personally. Now, we see this with politicians, we see this with celebrities, but I think if we're honest with ourselves, it's a struggle we all have, too, in our hearts. And that's why Paul says, when you judge others, 
You're condemning yourself. Don't tear other people down to try to make yourself feel better. Don't focus on other people's faults and ignore your own. Don't focus on the sawdust in someone else's eye when you have a two-by-four in your own eye. But the problem is it's so much more comforting to focus on other people's sawdust. But Jesus and Paul are saying, get a handle on your own stuff first. Recognize your shortcomings and your sins. Ask for help. Ask God to come alongside you. Do the hard work through the power of the Holy Spirit. Experience transformation through him. Thirdly, Jesus is telling us, don't hold non-Christians to Christian standards. Every family has rules they live by, right? We can all probably go on and on and talk about the rules our parents had when we were growing up. And the thing is, we have a wide range of rules, right? Some people had to be in bed at 7 o'clock at night. Some people had to be in bed at 10 o'clock at night. Rules vary by families. My family has very specific rules that we have for our kids. But the thing is, I don't hold my neighbor's kids to my family's rules. I'm not tempted to go to my neighbor's house at night and put their kids to bed at 8.30, Right? That's not my role. My kids are addicted to electronics a lot of times, so we have rules about how much screen time they get. But I don't go to my other neighbor's house and tell their kids to get off the internet. Right? It's not my role. They're not in my family. And so why do we as a church, as Christians, often try to hold people outside the family to our rules? Paul talks about this in the book of Corinthians. He says, what business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? If they're not following Jesus, then who am I to tell them to live differently? Paul goes on and tells us where our focus should be. He says, are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. If we're in the family of God, if we're brothers and sisters in Christ, then we need to look out for each other, not to accuse, not to condemn. But we're called to spur each other on to good deeds. We're called to love each other, to help each other, but always with grace and love and kindness, which God models for us. But all too often, we like to focus all our attention on people outside the family, You know, for instance, maybe we can just pass a bunch of laws and force everybody to live Christian standards. But you know what? Jesus had every opportunity to do that, and he never, ever did it. Or, you know, maybe we can just judge and condemn and shame everybody into the kingdom. But we know that never, ever works. One of the biggest reasons that people are fleeing the church today is because of judgmentalism, and self-righteousness. You know, they say, you guys don't even have your own houses in order. If you look at divorce rates, they're as high or higher in the church than in the general public. And there's just as much dysfunction within the church as there is outside the church. We need to make sure we focus in the right way. Now, Calvary is a place where you can belong before you believe. And also, I hope it's a place where you can belong 
before you behave. You can come and kick the tires. And you can build relationships. Because that's exactly how Jesus operated every day of his ministry. He went to sinners. He spent time with them. He ate with them. And it was through a relationship that he changed their lives. It's never rules that changed people. It's a relationship with Jesus that changed them. It's not judgment. It's kindness that leads to repentance. And it shows us our role in this whole thing. Our role is to go and love people, build relationships, and introduce them to Jesus. And through the Holy Spirit, he does the hard work of transforming and changing our lives and our behavior. We get to introduce people, set up a blind date with God, and let him do the hard work. Number four. Help others be restored. This is so important because none of us are perfect. Every single one of us falls short every day. But within the family of God, we need to come alongside each other. We need to lift each other up. We need to help each other along the way. Sometimes that looks like helping somebody get out of a hole they've dug. Other times it's making corrections in their life. Other times it's just getting back on the right path. See, there are times we're not called to mind our own business. We need to take an interest in others. But it's always out of love. And it's always with a goal towards restoration. Now, Paul talks about this in one more church, in the Galatian church. We heard this in our Bible reading today. He says, brothers and sisters. Again, evidence that this is for the family of God. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin... Okay, again, it's okay to name something a sin. Anything that goes against God's character and his commands is a sin. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, what should we do? Kick them when they're down? Put a bunch of more judgment on top? Beat them up? Shame them? Get them up in front of the church and make fun of them? No, he says, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person what? Gently. Gently. Isn't that a wonderful word? Restore them with grace and love and kindness. The same grace and love and kindness that God has shown to us in Jesus Christ. And he shows it to us day after day, again and again. See, the goal is nothing other than to restore them to help them get on the right path. And then in verse 2, Paul says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Another wonderful picture. Carry each other's burdens. Don't put more weight on them, more guilt, more shame. Go help them carry that burden. And it's so important that Paul says, it's through doing this, that you fulfill the law of Christ. Following Jesus never stops at what's in it for you. It always focuses out on how we can love and reach others. Church, in closing, we need to get this right because we do great harm to the kingdom when we get this wrong. John 1.14 tells us two key words here, that we need to be full of grace and 
truth. Too often we focus on one or the other, and both can lead to a lot of problems. If we only focus on truth and no grace, it leads to legalism and condemnation, and we become harsh and annoying to others. But remember, the Bible says the truth will set you free. And so we do need truth, but it needs to be balanced with grace. If we're only about grace, then it ends up with anything goes. There's no way to live. You can do your own thing. So we need to balance grace and truth. Because that's what Jesus did. And this really comes down to our posture. When we leave this church today and we go back into our community, our homes, our schools, our places of work, what's your posture? Especially towards those far from God. A posture of grace and truth is a posture of humility, gentleness, love, mercy, kindness. Going out of your way to understand whether, instead of being understood. It's choosing your words very, very, very carefully because we know the great damage our words can do. And then remember, Jesus went out of his way to preserve relationships. Relationships are not expendable. Focus on relationships. Be honest about your own stuff first. Walk with grace and humility. And you know what? If the main thing you're called to do from day to day is to love others well, well, Jesus said that's a pretty big deal. Right? He said, love God and love others. The greatest commandment. You need to focus this week. Go love others like God's loved you. So I don't know where you're at this morning, how God has spoken to your heart. Maybe you need to repent today because too often you've sized people up and you've written them off. Maybe today you need to repent of your judgmentalism and your self-righteousness. Or maybe you need to repent of your own sin today instead of focusing on everybody else's. Because judging others can blind you to your own shortcomings, your own sins. I mean, maybe even other people in the family of God have been trying to get your attention and you've just blown them off. So today you need to get honest about where you stand before God. Or maybe you need to go have a conversation today with someone you love. Because you want to help them get on track. You want them to experience restoration and redemption. Church, let's be a place, let's be a people that treats others with grace and kindness and love. Let's introduce people to a saving relationship with Jesus and let him do a transforming work in us and in them. Amen? Let's pray.